It was Wednesday morning of this past week, and Bob sent me a text that confirmed what he was suspicious of, that he had the virus. Um, And so we'd be praying for Bob and Carmen and their family as they uh, get over that. Um, He texted me on Wednesday morning and said, hey, you know, I wasn't feeling good yesterday and um, wondering if we could push back our series, Strong, Fight the Good Fight, till next week. And so we kind of chatted through that on text messages. And I, he, he, you know, I, I told him like, hey, you gotta take the test differently because I've like peed on the stick like 10 times and it's always negative. So I don't, apparently he does not taking those tests right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's cheap humor, okay. My wife warned me not to use that one and I've used it twice now. Um, so thank you for laughing. Um, and it was just one of those weeks because what ended up happening this week was that half of our staff uh, was sick in some way, shape, or form. Uh, apparently, Christmas and New Year's had the desired effect. Congratulations. And some of you are like, yeah, that's why I'm home. Um, uh, and, and so uh, we, we struggled. We, like this morning, there's just a handful of us as staff uh, around this morning um, and on top of all that, when he texted me on Wednesday morning, I was laying in bed and I wasn't feeling very good either. Um, took a couple tests and, and I, wa- I wasn't positive for COVID, but I had something going on uh, and stayed in bed most of Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. This morning is the first morning I am not medicated, so all right. Um, and, and it was just one of those weeks. I... Um, I got a phone call from someone on Friday uh, letting me know that her, her dad, who's in hospice care, is right on the brink of death, and, and I couldn't go visit her because I wasn't feeling good, and they wouldn't let me into the nursing home, you know, and so I called her and prayed with her and had a couple of their text messages and phone calls and emails that were difficult and people in hard situations, and, um, and, and it, like, it just started bogging me down this week, honestly. I was like, ah, oh, man, we're in 2022, and thought we'd flip the page and like come into 2022 really positive. And I was like, okay, guys, we got Bobcat Saturday. So I was like, it's all going to turn around Saturday morning. I turn on the TV. I'm ready to go. And, and then you saw what happened. If you didn't, uh, there was a big game yesterday, national championship game. Um, and our beloved Bobcats um, had a really, really rough go. And and my, and my heart broke for him, honestly. I, I, know, I know that some of you are like, it's sports, you know, but, but my heart broke for, for, those, for those men. Um, I know that there's a bus full of guys and coaches, trainers, folks who went and fl- flew down or drove down to Frisco who, who are a bit brokenhearted. I know there's those young men... Um, some of them will just carry this for the rest of their lives. They'll think about that day at Frisco and it, like it's really heavy on them. It's really hard on them, regardless of whether you care or not. Uh, it's, it's heavy on them. It's hard on them. It was not what they pictured, right? Um, it's not what I thought 2022 was gonna be. Anybody got that nagging sensation so far this year? Like a like a, a little over a week into the new year. And is anybody else feeling like, man, I, I thought it was going to be better. 
Yeah. Here, here's what I want to talk about this morning. How strong do you feel coming into 2022? I want you to take an honest assessment this morning. How strong do you feel coming in to 2022? I know you came in here and somebody asked you, how are you? And you were like, great, but let's, let's have real church. Can we have real church this morning? Like, let's have real church. Let's be honest. Like, some of you would say, no, it, it's already been terrible, Brian. It's already been a hard year. We're, we're, a week, we're just over a week in and I'm ready to trade it in. How strong do you feel coming into this year? With, with all that's going on in the world, how strong do you feel about that? Like how certain do you feel about what's coming next week? How certain do you feel? Like do you feel really secure that you know what's coming next week? Like how, how certain do you feel about your relationships? How strong are your friendships uh, with people who voted differently than you lately? How are those? How, how are your relationships uh, with your family members? Some of whom you just saw over the week, uh, the last couple of weeks, and you're actually really grateful you're not with them anymore, right? How, how strong are you feeling in your work? We are... Uh, in the days where more people are quitting their jobs than in any recent history has happened. The great resignation, they're calling it. How, how about your finances? How are you feeling about your finances? Some of you are like, I had the best year again, 2020, 2021, best years ever. Like seriously though, but how, how do you actually feel? Like, are you like a little worried? Like, well, there might be a correction or there might just be a total disaster because like, it seems like the world's, kind of a mess right now. Like, how strong do you feel in 2022? Can I just, I'll go first. I, I don't feel strong right now. I don't. I'm, guys, I'm so, I'm so tired. <laughs> Truly. I'm so tired. Year three of the pandemic. Like, legitimately, I, I thought this would all be over in like three months. I was like, flatten the curve, baby. We're gonna do it. It's gonna be great. Flatten that and then off we go, right? Year three, uh, I've said this before and it's, it's not to draw pity or uh, like I don't need you to be concerned, but, but, but like the, the things that I am seeing in our culture are disheartening at best. I, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for me, I'm concerned for you. And I think if you're really honest, you're, you're probably more frazzled, more fatigued, more fractured than you've ever been. I'm, I'm guessing that some of you are just right, right on the verge. You, just don't, you don't even know what to do this week. You're just, you're just hoping that something will finally give stability to this life. How strong do you feel coming in 2022? See, we were gonna jump into the series called Strong, Fight the Good Fight, which I'm excited about. And we're gonna kick it off next week, okay? We're gonna be in 2 Timothy, Paul, who's this great mentor for this young pastor, Timothy. And so we're gonna learn from Paul as he speaks to Timothy and as he helps us become strong in our faith and fight the good fight, which I think it's a message we do need to hear. Like, I think because we're so 
uh, beat down. We actually need some, some encouragement, some challenge, so, something to say, hey, come on, we can keep fighting as a church. We can keep being strong together as a church. I think we need that. But before we jump into that, I don't want you to be more tired at the end of that series than you already are. And so I think in God's providence, he allowed us to take one week off and to step back to ask the question, where does true strength come from? Where does true strength really come from? Because what could happen is that we could charge into the next series and we could say, I'm gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm gonna be a better Christian this upcoming year. I'm gonna do all the right things. I'm gonna read through the Bible reading plan this year. I'm gonna pray a lot more. I'm gonna finally be a better husband. I'm gonna better, be a better spouse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a better worker. I'm gonna be a better neighbor. And we just keep, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's a, there's a danger there that, that we could wander into this upcoming series and say, it's all up to me. I'm gonna be strong. And before we get there, I wanna set a foundation for that by asking the question, where does true strength come from? And I want to look at the words of Paul because Paul pens the letter that we're gonna read uh, to 2 Timothy. He pens uh, several other letters and one of them is to the Corinthians. Uh, So I wanna spend some time in 2 Corinthians to learn from Paul where true strength comes from. So we will be in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, we'll go like seven through 10. I'll start, I'll start seven through 10. Words are on your screen or uh, in your Bible. It says this. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, proud, lifting himself up, in order to keep him from becoming conceited or exalting himself, I, Paul, was given a thorn in my flesh, or more vividly, not like a, a nagging little thorn, but like, like something that would pierce you, so, something that would run you through, a, a thorn in my flesh, a, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my what? Weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want you to say that with me, okay? That last little verse, for when I am weak, I want you to say it with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me pray. Jesus, I admit to you that I I do not have um, the words of life, only you do. I am a broken, fractured vessel, and I pray that you'd work in spite of me today. I pray, God, that you would unveil your truth to us and your grace to us in full measure. 
pray that you would open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, everything that we are, I pray that you would open it up to what you would have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to wade into this with offering to you a problem. And the problem is this. We think that strength is the absence of weakness. We think that strength is the absence of weakness. And here's what I mean by that. I think when we define strength in our culture and in our day, we think about people who know everything or appear to know everything, who are sure of themselves, who are physically strong, who make decisive decisions. They don't waver. They are strong in their convictions. And we, and we tend to lift up those who are strong because they don't show any weakness. Strength is how we define it, the absence of weakness. And I think there's a huge, huge problem within that kind of thinking. I think it's the air we breathe. I think it's the water that we drink, but I think it's poison. I think it is poison to your soul because I think you'll get things all mixed up if you buy the way that the world defines strength. I think we need to redefine strength. And, and here's why I think that. Paul, Paul could have been considered one of the strongest. I mean, he is a team. He is varsity level theologian. Uh, a lot of folks will say, oh, Jesus just, he took the worst of the worst. He took the fishermen and, and the outcast, the tax collector, but he also took Paul. Paul was the most educated. Paul was the apostle of all apostles. The, the Sadducee of all Sadducees. He was, he was the highest of all high. He was the most educated of, of, of all. He, he, he was, he was top notch. And because of that, Paul had this, this exalted position. People looked up to Paul his entire life. They looked up to Paul in the religious world when he was trying to take out the followers of Jesus. And then, and then they, they looked up to him later, the followers of Jesus looked up to him later when he turned his back on those religious people, went to the Gentiles and shared the good news of Jesus. He was, he was always being exalted. People were always exalting Paul's life. They were always saying, Paul, you're so great. You're so amazing. They're, they're just feeding the frenzy. They're defining it by the world. You're so right, Paul. But Paul knows that there's danger there. See, strength is not the absence of weakness. Here's, here's how he knows that. He starts off this little section by saying, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. So whenever the Bible says, therefore, you always want to look at what was just talked about. So Paul has just talked about, in third person, about how he got a vision, a glimpse of heaven. So Paul is the most educated. 
He is the top of the line. He has this face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And not just that, the cherry on top is that Paul gets to see a glimpse of heaven himself. If anybody has room to boast, it is Paul. And so he says, therefore, because of all that, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, we need to circle around that word conceited for a few moments. Conceited means to think too much of yourself. It's like this. I've defined it like this before. It's living a me-centric life. Do you know what a me-centric life is? I am here and the world revolves around me, right? I'm the center of the universe. A me-centric life is a conceited life. And we often think of that in terms of like the arrogant person, okay? No nudging right now. Uh, I, I, know, I know we're gonna have like a moment where you're like, Hi, I'm thinking of somebody. Don't, don't try not to do that, okay? Because when I say, hey, do you know an arrogant person? <laughs> like somebody comes to mind. Like a proud person, somebody comes to mind. And, and I wanna be careful I want to be careful. I want to, I want to understand this properly. What does it look like to be conceited? See, Charles Spurgeon is considered the prince of preachers, late 1800s, one of my absolute heroes. And Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote a sermon in 1888 on this passage that I read this past week. And he wanted us to t- sort of flip the end of this passage so we could learn about, a little bit about what does it look like to be conceited. He said, flip it. He said, for when I am strong, then I am weak. For when I am strong, then I am weak. That's what it looks like to be conceited. When I am strong, then I am weak. Here's what he he means by that, right? He he didn't have this illustration in his day, but I want you to think of Gaston, okay? No one's thick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. No one's whatever in Burley and whatever is Gaston. See, I know it. Okay, all right. Like, this is the picture that we get of of arrogance, of pride, which, by the way, I do think our world elevates. I do. I don't think we like to say that we elevate that, but can we be really honest with each other this morning? We elevate those who act like they know everything. We don't, we don't like them sometimes. We secretly talk about how we don't like them sometimes, Right? But those people end up becoming CEOs. You're like, how did that guy become a CEO? Like, really, that guy, right? Gaston? Like, the the prideful, the arrogant, the boaster. Isn't it true that we, we like, elevate celebrities? We elevate people who just run their mouths? In our culture, in our day, this is rampant, you guys. This is poison for our souls. And yet we, we don't understand that, that when we are strong, we are weak. When we are strong, we are weak. And, and the problem is it, it's insidious, you guys. Because we would be like, oh yeah, there's those guys, those gals who are conceited. They're arrogant, but, but it's, it's so much more slippery than that. When you start thinking about the guy who you think is arrogant, what happens within your own soul? 
Isn't it true that you start thinking things like, I'm sure glad I'm not like that guy. I'm sure glad I'm humble, even though he's not. Do you see what I'm getting at? Like nobody gets a free pass today. I'm offending all of you, okay? That's, that's the point. Like equal offender, okay? I'm offending me. Like, come on now, you know. Like, I, I, I can sing Gaston because sometimes I like to pump my chest. Like, I, I, like, I'm that guy, dude, okay? Like, some of you are like, I know, we know, we are aware. Okay. But can I also tell you this? There's some times where I'm super insecure, And where I quietly in my own soul am like, hmm, hmm, at least I'm better than that guy. I'm not going to say anything in this moment, but man, you know, I, I, I think I know better than that person. Like, see, we're all in on this, you guys. Pride is one of the roots of, of all of our sin. It's the same language that the serpent spoke to our first father and mother, Adam and Eve, whispering to them in the garden. It's all about you. You deserve more. Elevate yourself. Exalt yourself. And the problem is when we're strong, we're weak. When we're strong, we're weak. When we have this quiet inner I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm, I'm just going to be strong and, and, and judge everybody else or this outward, I'm just going to be this big presence and I'm going to dominate conversation and I'm going to be that guy. It doesn't matter. It all stems from the same problem. It stems from the problem that we're not, we're not willing to admit how weak we are, how broken we are, how fragile we are. For when I am strong, then I am Weak, that is the problem. And so we need an answer. We need an answer. And so, so the answer from Paul is this. Paul knows that true strength comes in the midst of weakness. True strength comes in the midst of our weakness. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian thinkers of, of all time, um, He defined humility, the opposite of being conceited, by saying this. Humility isn't thinking less of oneself. It's thinking of oneself less. It's not thinking less of oneself. It's thinking of oneself less. It's exalting oneself less. It's putting something above yourself. It's getting yourself out of the way. That's what true humility is. And Paul knows that real strength comes in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of us admitting that we need to surrender. That true strength, true humility comes from putting ourselves under Jesus. Not elevating ourselves over Jesus or over others, but exalting Jesus and loving our neighbors as ourselves. I mean, this even, this even bodes true in, in how our bodies work, okay? So I started working out in December. I don't know why it's awful, you guys, okay? Right? 
It wasn't even like 2020 plan, get in shape, wasn't even there. I just like talked to a guy and he said, you should be in my gym. And I'm like, okay. And now here I am, sore all the time, okay? I mean, that, and, and that's what happens, right? If you work out a little bit and you haven't worked out in a while, you know what happens? Excruciating pain. Like muscles you never knew you even had. You're like, I didn't know I had that muscle. It's like here. I'm, it's, my, it's like... It's like a kidney, or I don't even know, but it hurts, whatever it is, right? It's like tucked under that whatever, you know, the jiggly stuff, right? It's like, it's there, and it hurts, and I don't know why it hurts. Well, I'll tell you why it hurts. When you exercise a muscle, you, you hurt that muscle. You tear that muscle. When you're lifting weights, do you know how your, your muscles get stronger? They don't get stronger when you're hurting them. They get stronger in the places where they have been hurt. They get stronger in the areas where there was weakness. That's why there's pain in your muscles after you work out. And then it gets even better because your muscles don't grow while you're lifting weights. Your muscles grow when you're resting, when you're recovering, when you're admitting your weakness and not lifting weights, not running, not doing that exercise, that's when you are recovering. And some of you are like, I do that all the time, Brian. I'm not getting in shape. I don't know. You got to work out too, okay? It's just like, it's a thing, all right? Strength comes in the midst of our weakness, in the middle of our weakness. And Paul knows this so well. He knows he, he can elevate himself. He can lift himself up. It's what he is drawn to. It's what we're all drawn to, to lift ourselves up, elevate ourselves. And so he knows, I need to admit my weakness. And guess what? God's going to send hard things in my life so that I might stay humble. Like, so interesting. I don't have enough time to get into this. But it actually says Paul was given a thorn in his flesh. By who? God. God allowed that in his grace, in his sovereignty, he allowed pain in his life to weaken him, to take care of his pride so that he would not become arrogant, but so that he would find strength in the midst of his weakness. This is how good our God is. He allows the bad things in your life. Nay, sometimes he causes the bad things in your life. You're like, what? Would God use bad? Th yes, God will use bad things in your life for your good and for his glory. He is that good. He's that good. And so he allows pain in Paul's life, and he allows pain in our lives. And listen, the pain you're experiencing, the frustration, the exhaustion that you're feeling in this season, that I'm feeling in this season, God knew it was coming. It is a gift. It is something that God is giving to us. Do not waste this opportunity of pain. Don't, I just heard Rick Warren speak about this this past week. Don't waste your pain. 
Don't waste the hardship. Don't waste this season of life. Don't try to quick get past it. Bury it. Get angry at it. No, no, no. Where is God working in the midst of the pain? Because it's in the midst of your weakness. That's where you find strength. See, see Paul cries out to God three times. He says, God, take this pain away from me. Take this pain away from me. And then do you know what God says to him? No, no, no. He'll say, yep, I'll fix it. Because that's what we think God should do for us, right? Jackpot Jesus. We've talked about this before, right? You're like, hey, Jesus, I need you to fix this the way I want you to fix it. We pull the handle. And if it doesn't come out the way we want it, we pull the handle again. And then we get mad. So we pull a little harder until Jackpot Jesus finally shows up and gives us what we want, right? Because Jesus isn't good unless he does what I think he should. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus does for Paul, okay? You're not as special as Paul. Can we just be honest about that? I'm not. You're not. Okay. You didn't write the Bible. Okay. Okay. So if he doesn't do it for Paul, I ain't going to do it for you. Paul screams out three times, take this away from me. There's anybody that God's going to go, yep, Paul, you've been through enough, man. Bit by snakes, shipwrecked, beaten to an inch of your death, lots of times, imprisoned. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to alleviate this. No, no, no. He says this, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What do you want? Do you want to settle for your own power? Or do you want God's power perfected in your weakness? It's a real question. What do you want? Do you want to continue to settle for your own power? Your own can-do attitude? You got this. You're going you're gonna to push through. You, don't, you can fix it. You, you don't need Jesus. You got this. You're going to settle for that? Like you, I don't know what you can bench press, but you can't move mountains. I can tell you that. But I know someone who can move mountains. And his power is perfected in our weakness. His grace, his unmerited favor. His unmerited favor is enough. Church, do we believe this? Or are we just grabbing the cheap substitute? Like, are we just trying to still... Fill our soul with that new activity, that, that new thing that's finally going to make me feel better about life. I'm going to finally fix that one problem in my life and work out this year and lose 20 pounds and I'll be, finally I'll be great again, okay? I'm going to make this much money and then finally I'll be great again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like just do it all right. I'm going to do all the religious things this year and I'm going to just fix it all and I'm going to be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all year long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for Jesus, like or are you going to admit your weakness? That, given your own vices, given your own distractions, given your own stories, your pain, your hurt, you, like you wander, you, you lose focus, you, you're not enough. And that's okay. Can I give you permission? That's okay. His grace is sufficient, so you don't have to be. Can you, stop, can you stop caring that, Christian? Can you please stop caring that you have to be enough when he's enough? 
Can you, can you stop caring that you need to be strong when, when it's in your weakness? That's where he's strong? Or will you continue to choose the cheap substitute? Here's the powerful paradox. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. I'm going to pick on Stephen Belden because he's sitting right there. Ha ha, you weren't here at nine o'clock, so I couldn't do it. I'm going to do it this time, though. Um, Steve is a good buddy. Uh, his daughter and my daughter go to school together, and um, he was one of the testimonies over Christmas. And I, I dare you to go up to him after service and say, you're weak. I dare you. I would like to see how that goes. <laughs> I bet you lose because he's like jacked, okay? Right? How many days a week do you lift? Every. <laughs> you just said eight? <laughs> it's only seven days in a week, my man. I'm, math's not probably your thing. Okay. Steve, dude. So Steve shared his testimony over Christmas. If you didn't get a chance to see it, you gotta go and, and listen to it. So, so he is not someone that I would describe as weak. I would describe him as strong. But in his testimony, there was this just really incredible moment where he, he just said, I was done. I was just done. I mean, you could, you could feel his emotions through the screen. I, I watched it five times and I was like, every time I'm like, oh, there it is. He knew this to be true. When I am weak, then I am strong. There's a lot of ways to come to Jesus. And, and, and like some of you pray to prayer. Some of you are like, I have not come to Jesus yet. I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm glad you're here, man. That's awesome. Uh, some of you walked an aisle. Um, and some of you were like, I I invited Jesus into my heart. I think those are all great things, but I want to I tell you what I think is one of the more powerful ways that people express Jesus coming into their life that I hear. When people say things like, I gave up or I surrendered, I'm like, oh, they're on the right path. Because surrender, surrender is like, a, I, I give up. Like when people say, I, I gave my life to Jesus, I'm like, yeah, that gives you a little too much credit, my man. So, you know, like you surrendered, that's a little better. Like Jesus chased you down. Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen Jesus chase a lot of people down. I finally said, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't keep running from you, God. I can't keep trying to stuff things in my soul that will not fill me. I surrender to you. I just, I just, I just gave up, just gave it up. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you frustrated? Are you exhausted? Are things in your home unstable? Are things at work unstable? Are things in your finances difficult? This is where Jesus meets you. 
He did not come to, to save the righteous. It's, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. In the midst of your darkest moment, Jesus shines brighter. In the midst of your lowest season, Jesus will lift you higher. In the midst of your pain, Jesus will come to heal. For when you are weak, then you will become strong. Let's pray. Jesus, I admit to you that I am a proud man. That I often think of myself more than I think of you, more than I think of those you've called me to love. And I live in the midst of people who do the same thing. God, I, I want to confess our sin to you collectively as a church. I want to confess, God, that our focus is not always on you. That we have a problem and we elevate ourselves before we elevate you, Jesus. And I ask that you'd forgive our sin. Forgive us for pretending that we're strong. Forgive us for trying to be the answer. Forgive us for acting like we're the way and we're the truth and we're the life. And Jesus, grant us your grace, your sufficient grace. God, give us your real, true strength. Meet us in our weakness. Meet us in our need. Jesus, meet, meet us in the midst of our broken families. Meet us in the midst of our broken marriages. Meet us in the midst of our broken neighborhoods. Meet us in the midst of our broken world. Jesus, you are the answer. You are the one, the way, the truth, and the life. You, you give freely to those who are weary. You give us rest. To those who are thirsty, you give us something to drink. For those who are hungry, you give us all that we need. Jesus, we... We pray that we would lift your name high, that as John the Baptist said, there would be less of me and more of you. So that in, in these things, we may truly be strong. And it's in your amazing, precious, exalted, glorious name, Jesus, we pray.
Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.